You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from... Um, my name is Melissa Beach, and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. And um, I was I was sentenced to 400 months, months in federal prison for a conspiracy charge, where um, I was charged uh, with 50, almost 50 kilos of complete ghost dope. Um, meaning that they didn't find, they didn't ever arrest me with any actual weight, no evidence, no phone caps, no nothing. Like um, it was complete co-conspirator hearsay by people that got huge reductions for um, cooperating with the feds to say what they wanted them to say. Basically, I'm 49, and um, my out date is 2045, which makes me like my late 70s getting out of here. I'm a nonviolent criminal. I do have a really lengthy criminal history because I've been an addict since I was 14. I'm far from innocent, but um, I've never even seen one kilo, much less 50 kilos. This episode's about Melissa Veach, federal inmate number 69224080. Melissa is a woman who is currently serving 33 years for a conspiracy charge, also known as ghost dope conspiracy cases. Ghost dope conspiracies usually revolve around somebody who's trying to get a downward departure uh, for cooperating with the uh, authorities. And they'll give names and name people, and uh, those people will be rounded up and indicted as well. It's a cheap way of getting yourself out of trouble and not wanting to do the time for the crime that you committed. And it's really saddening to see that our uh, federal system works this way, that you don't need to have hard evidence. All you really need is, is the word of a criminal to say, yes, I sold drugs to that person, and that's it. That's all you need. And people are getting huge amounts of time. I mean, 33 years, that's more than some people will get for killing somebody. I, seriously. So the reason why I am I took on this uh, this conversation was I feel like um, these are injustices, and they should be pointed out. The American people don't really, I don't think the population really understands how the criminal justice system works in this way. And so I want to bring out some of these stories and, uh, you know, explain and let these women tell, tell their stories of how they're being locked up with, you know, and the keys thrown away, uh, for a victimless crime, uh, nonviolent crime, you know, when they should be getting drug treatment instead of, you know, 33 years, 24 years life in some cases. So, uh, I hope you learned something, uh, from listening to this episode. And if anybody out there can help Melissa or help point her in the right direction or can, can share resources, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my information will be at the bottom of the show notes in the link tree link. Uh, my email will be in there. Uh, reach out to me or reach out to Melissa directly. Uh, she gives all of her information um, 
in the uh, towards the end. Also, a couple of weeks after uh, I recorded this conversation, I was informed by my friend Joe, uh, who was the one who uh, asked me if I could uh, interview uh, Melissa or have a conversation with Melissa. Uh, he informed me that uh, one of her sons uh, was killed in a car accident. So I have yet to speak to her since, uh, you know, the, uh, there was an email um, and I returned an email a couple of days ago and uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard back, so I'm not sure exactly uh, where, what's going on with Melissa. Uh, you know, she's all right. Um, I mean, it's gotta be tough. Uh, you know, being stuck somewhere and you can't, you can't, uh, you know, get to your loved ones to, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough all the way around. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And, uh, so without further ado, let's get to the show. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from. Melissa Veach. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept. Dial 5 now. What's up, Melissa? Nothing. How are you? I'm doing a lot better now that I've got everything situated. So what I'm going to do is okay. uh, introduce you and then we'll get right into it, all right? This is uh-huh. a Nowhere to Go But Up podcast and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today I am talking to Melissa Veach. And she is currently an inmate at the BOP. Melissa, how you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. So the reason why we're here talking is you have been dealt a pretty raw hand. Uh, you got 400 months on a uh, on a conspiracy charge. So why don't you go right. ahead and uh, and and tell my listeners a little bit about you and uh, where you're you know what what i can what we can help you with okay um oh my gosh that's kind of wide open huh (laughs) okay well um my name is melissa beach and i'm from fort worth texas and um i was i was sentenced to 400 months months in federal prison for a conspiracy charge where um i was charged uh with 50 almost 50 kilos of complete ghost dope um, meaning that they didn't find, they didn't ever arrest me with any actual weight, no evidence, no phone caps, no nothing. Like, um, it was complete co-conspirator hearsay by people that got huge reductions for, um, cooperating with the feds to say what they wanted them to say, basically. And, um, so I'm 49 and, um, my outdate is 2045, which makes me like my late seventies getting out of here. Um, I'm a nonviolent criminal. I do have a really lengthy criminal history because I've been an addict since I was 14. I'm far from innocent, but um, I've never even seen one kilo, much less 50 kilos of meth. Yeah, that was uh, one of one of the one of the main reasons why I I picked this up. Uh, you know, I was uh, doing you know when I did my my bid. Uh, and I was in my, uh, you know, doing my, fighting my case. There was tons of people that were in there for the same situation where there was, because these guys, I'm sure at one point in their life, they sold some drugs, but you know, they'd moved on with their life and stopped and somebody else decided to use their name to get themselves out of trouble. 
off of maybe right. a, maybe a you know a pound or a kilo that they may have sold them uh, five years ago. You know, and so there really is a problem with uh, the time versus the crime. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, um, and, and just the facts, you know what I mean? Like there, I feel like very strongly that, that people should not be able to go in and sit down with agents and, uh, well, let me just give you an example. Let's call it from a federal prison. I was, I was in a holding, I mean, not a holding cell, but I was in a cell fighting my case and there was a bunch of us that had been picked up on the same conspiracy. And I watched with my own eyes um, five or six girls get together that were housed together and come up with a name. One of the girls didn't like uh, didn't like one girl because she had you know slept with her boyfriend. So uh, they made up an amount, made up times, dates, and decided to call the agent and uh, and tell on her, you know, so that they could get more time off and um, they could you know kind of screw her over. And it worked. Each one of them got called in there, and they gave the same name, and she's actually one of my co-defendants now, and uh, she ended up with 16 years. And that could happen to anyone. You know what I mean? Like, I get the relevant conduct part of it. I get all that. But how is it anywhere near justice when you can just go in and literally lie? And because someone has been in trouble a lot, or it doesn't matter how many crimes you've committed, it matters that if you've committed this crime. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so it's just wrong. Like there there's I I'm not on the phone with you to ever say that I wasn't guilty. I'm just saying that I did not sell 50 kilos of meth. I was living in a rundown motel with my son, who who is a heroin addict, or he's he's clean now, but and we were barely making it, and they charged me with the street value of a million dollars of meth. Where was my attorney? Where where was my commissary even at that point? You know what I mean? Like, I had nothing. And uh, I didn't own a home. I didn't own, you know, my car had been wrecked and we didn't even have insurance on it. I mean, very low-level drug abuser. Like, and, and I'm not trying to down myself, but I'm just being very honest. Like, the crime doesn't fit with, with my lifestyle. It's an abuse. It's an abuse of power is what it is. That law was made for for very high up Let's call it from a federal prison. criminals such as John Gotti. That's where the, the ghost dope thing came in, when they couldn't catch somebody that owned all these houses and blah, blah, blah. Not for normal street users. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I agree. So I'm going to, you know, one of the, when I sold to an undercover, when I, when I got busted, right, I sold to an undercover uh-huh. five separate times an ounce apiece okay. of meth. In the state of Nevada, so we all know that in Nevada you used to be able to go, you'd go to prison for a seed, right? A seed of uh, marijuana. I got, oh, wow. I got a fifteen to sixty month sentence on a first felony. So yeah. you obviously you said you had a lengthy history. I mean, okay, right. that aside, four hundred months. I mean, yeah. that, that's like that's almost like quadruple, even if more than, than what I got. And I had, and I, and they caught me dead to rights. They didn't even catch you with anything. No, they didn't catch me with anything. Like, um, they gave me 33 years and, and I feel like it was based on my criminal history, which I feel like is wrong too, because I've already done that time. You know what I mean? I, okay. I, I get busted for, 
some stupid crime, like nothing serious. And I go to state prison for a, a couple years, and and I get out, and that that punishment has already been given, and 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 my sentence was already served. So now I've got 33 years because of because of 23 people that decide to go in there and say, oh yeah, we bought tons of pounds from her, and and so they look at my criminal history and say, what well, must be true, you know? And, yeah. and so here I sit, literally dying in prison. I'm probably going to die in prison. And I'm in here with people. I mean, I don't know. If I make it to 79 or 80, I won't, you know. But but then what do I do when I get out? You know what I mean? Like, that's something to think about, too. And I'm in here literally with, and I don't want to, like, throw stones at another con- another inmate, but I'm in here with people that have killed their children and who have less time than me. What'd you do? I threw my baby out the window. How much time did you get? 15 years? I mean, there's just no, I don't understand. You know, I'm still in shock. And I've been in prison over this since 2016. Yeah, the problem, I I think definitely, like you should have, you should have, you know, uh, you shouldn't have got as much time, but but your time really should have been more towards rehabilitation because I I heard some of your story and you, I mean, uh, you had your, your, I don't know if I, I've heard this right, but your mom actually almost like, like basically sold you to a dealer almost, yeah, right? Was, uh, yeah, kind of when I was 17. Yeah. Um, I, I left a very abusive relationship. I got married when I was 16 and, um, uh, had my son and, um, that didn't work out. And so, um, I left and I went to find my mom who, who ended up, my mom overdosed, uh, in 2016 of, on opiates. But yeah, she, um, when I got there, I really didn't know what to do. I was just a kid still. And, uh, I was introduced to, um, injecting, uh, methamphetamine. I'd never done that. And, uh, kind of talked me into going with her connect so that, um, she could get a large quantity. And I just wanted, I guess at that time, I just wanted to belong somewhere. You know what I mean? And yeah. I wanted, I've always seek, uh, I really wanted her approval my whole life and I'm not sure why, but I did. And so, um, I went and, um, that kind of laid out the rest of the road for me because I, I, it never, it never went good again, you know? Yeah. That, that's, that, that's Very tough. deep into the meth world. Huh? I, that's tough. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Melissa Beach. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept. Dial 5 now. Hey. Hey, how's it going? I'm um, okay. All right, so where'd we leave off? Uh, uh, my mom got me to go with uh, that guy. Okay, yeah, so she got you to go with that guy. That was kind of like what, you're, what you were uh, you know, forced to be living with, right? Yeah. Or your or your upbringing, so. Yeah, I wasn't really forced to be with him in the, you know what I mean? Like, but heavily persuaded, and, and I went. I think when it's, when you're 17 years old, you're easily uh, influenced, especially by your mom, you know? Well, yeah, And especially. I don't want to put a bad light on her because she's, she's dead now, you know what I mean? And she wasn't always bad. I don't want to say that. She was just very heavy into addiction as well. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people don't understand how 
how powerful addiction is and, and what it actually, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can change your life. It can take your life. It can totally make you into something or someone that you're not. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you have 33 years in federal prison and you're like, where did it go wrong? What happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I did the, you know, I kind of did the same thing at one point, you know. Uh, yeah. So you've got 400 months. You're, you're in there with a bunch of other uh, women that kind of same thing, right? Same situation. Yeah. Um, like how many would you say uh, women in there, your same, your same situation that are uh, on conspiracy charges with looking at a lot of time? Oh, God. Um, looking at a lot of time. This call is from a federal prison. 40% of the prison I'm at. 70% are here on conspiracy, I would say. Um, a lot of them were uh, just somebody's girlfriend, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of them were, were just like me. They were just addicts, and they got caught up, and their name was brought into it. And, you know, if you don't have money for an attorney, it, it's a wrap. You know, like... When people talk about lawyers selling you out, it it happens. Mine did. I mean, I don't feel like mine. I would. I wanted to go to trial, and uh, I was afraid to because I knew that he wouldn't fight for me from his heart. I knew that he wouldn't investigate. I knew that I didn't know nine of the people that had proffered on me, and and I kept telling him I don't even know this person, you know, or or I met her one time. How did I sell her 104 ounces? And he wouldn't even. He did nothing. One girl said that I sold her 34,000 grams, okay? 34,000 grams, you know? And I wasn't out of prison but for 11 months when all this happened. And she said she went to pick up with me 42 times and that I sold her 29 or that I picked up 29 ounces at a time, which made no sense. She witnessed it. I guess her, her eyes must have been scales. I don't, you know what I mean? It, it makes absolutely no sense. And then when I saw her later I said why did you say all that like that is the craziest shit I've ever heard and she said I never said that she said I swear to God I never said it and so she wrote a statement and said that she would get on the stand and tell them that she never said that and she said what I did say was this and her 1271 something ounces that she put on me turned into like 71 ounces when the truth came out and the lawyer never even brought it up he he tried to I think admit evidence twice and the judge said it had no merit and he wasn't going to listen to it. That's a huge difference. Yeah. 70, you know? 71. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, that is Versus, a huge difference. Yeah. You know, it's a huge difference and they wouldn't even listen. They would. And this was the person that they were using to put me in prison for 30 years was, was saying that she never said it, that, that she didn't know why they had said that and was willing to take the stand and they didn't want to hear it. You wanted to hear it when she put 34,000 grams on me, supposedly. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, give a lie detector test. Give a lie detector test. If all this is true, then what's the problem with putting somebody on a lie, on a lie detector machine and getting to the, to the bottom of it? So, because I would have taken one easily. Yeah, so you're... you're what was... Huh? So you're... you're uh, public defender or what, the federal ones, are they, are they uh, federal public defenders or are they uh, uh, 
Um, he was, he had his own, his name was Tolly Hoffer, and he had his own, uh, uh, business out, his own law firm out of Dallas, Texas. I don't think he was with the public defender's office. He was just appointed to me. Okay. Yeah. Probably you know, since all really, of, all of the, uh, all of your, you had like co-conspirators, right? And so they were all, yes. one of them may have used one of, you know, one of them got a public defender from the actual place and then the rest of them have to get different ones because then it's a conflict of interest yeah we all have to get appointed you know and and the judge my judge was john mcbride who's known as just i mean satan in a black robe literally like there's no way we could have got a fair trial with him so to have a court-appointed attorney that doesn't care in front of a judge that already hates you you know what i mean it's just it you have no chance right from the beginning there was not going to be a fair trial. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's tough, man. First call, it's from a federal prison. I, and we're in the United States of America. I mean, you know what I mean? We're not in a third world country. Well, I guess that would depend on on <laughs> on on on, on, on yeah. who, who you talk to. But I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's getting there if it's not already there. Um, you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's an un, that's an unfortunate thing. Um. You know, so where where is it that you want to go from here? You want me to because uh, I'm going to be talking to that that lady Holly Coleman tomorrow uh, in a Facebook Live uh, interview. So I mean, what kind of questions would you want me to ask her? I'm gonna I'm gonna breeze it by ask you know ask her basically. I, hey, yeah, I, what what I, what okay, should she like do? What could she? Do? I just right now I'm waiting for my certificate of appeal um, at the Fifth Circuit. And if I get that, I need someone that knows, because I know nothing about the law. I didn't even finish high school. So I get so emotional. But I just, I need someone who um, could fight for me. And if I get the certificate of appeal, then I'll, I'll be able to appeal the sentence. But I can't do it because I don't know how. You know what I mean? And I don't have the money to hire an attorney. So what I need mostly is someone that understands the law and knows a pro bono attorney or is willing to help me, you know, fight it or something, because I don't know what I'm doing. And a lot of women here, we don't know what we're doing. So there's no way that we can fight for ourselves because we don't understand. No, you know? I yeah, for sure. I, I, I totally get it. I When I was there, you know, there, I I felt like there were some things that, you know, were unfair on my on my deal. And same thing, you yeah. know, and I'd already you're just not going to, you know, you got to get somebody to, you know, usually pro bono stuff is, you know, they reserve that for celebrities or high profile things that are going to, going to, you know, get them a bunch of money. But yeah, I mean, if I, I agree, if, if, you know, if you, anybody out there that's listening, you know, Sean, if one person would just take a look at our case and look at the whole conspiracy of the Fort Worth conspiracy, it's the Northern district of Texas and look at the weight that was put on these people, all of us, by different people, by different people that proffered, and and see how it didn't add up. Millions and millions of methan of of dollars of methamphetamine was was charged to all of us by co-conspirators, and it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? If somebody would just have the heart to take a look at it and go, "What is going on here?" They would see that the injustice done. They would, because it's not just me. I have several co-defendants that are doing life in prison. That are, you know what I mean? And you can't break the law to catch us breaking the law, whether we're innocent or guilty. We have a right to be prosecuted legally. You know, and the prosecutorial misconduct that happened in this case is disgusting, and no one's doing anything about it. They're just going to let us die in here. 
you know? Unfortunately, it's because, you know, you're the, they, they, I feel like they do that on purpose just so they can get you guys as, you know, that cheap labor because prison, the prison yeah. industry is for profit now. So. Oh yeah. Unicor is a big, you know what I mean? I work at Unicor and, and yeah, it's, that it's what goes on there is crazy too. You know, sometimes I work from 7.30 in the morning until 8 p.m. at night. Right now, because of the COVID, we get no breaks. <sighs> you know what I mean? Because of social distancing, yet we can all be in there together. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely know what you mean. And there's a, that, there's a, that's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, it's all about money. It all comes down to trading lives for money for the government. Well, not I mean, just for the government, for almost all corporations. So... I mean, this is just oh, okay, one, yeah. this is just one arm of it, you know, of the, of, of the, the mechanism. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Melissa Beach, an inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept dial five now. Okay. Hey, Sean. hey. all right. Where do we leave off? Um, uh, with uh, Unicor, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're you're working at Unicor. You know, the whole reason why the judges and you know they're handing out this time is, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that they've got you know money tied into you know investments into these uh, uh, corporations that are running the prisons and stuff like that. So I mean, they're incentivized. Okay. To, they're incentivized to hand out that time. You know. So, I mean, could anything be done about that? I mean, well, we're trying. I mean, the, 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 the main thing is, is that we have to, it has to start with a, with a, a shift in, you know, where government isn't, uh, so tied into these corporations and elections and campaign donations and stuff like that. I mean, literally, I mean, that, that's, that's one of the huge parts of the problem. But another thing is, is just, you know, trying to get your story out there. So the people start hearing and seeing these, these stories coming out and, and being exposed to where, you know, you can't turn, you can't turn away from it. You know, this, this could be right. your, this could be your daughter, your, your, you know, son, your child, you know, that got caught, that got caught up in something, you know, and, and yeah. the, the outcome is that, you know, unless you're, you're affluent or, you know, you have, uh, people in your corner or, you know, good support system, you know, to keep you out money, you're, you're, you're really just low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Like I, I walked into that courtroom that day knowing I felt like I was walking into a gas chamber that would leave my heart beating. Like I knew it was over with and I knew that I didn't deserve it, but there was absolutely nothing I could do. You know, I couldn't prove that they were lying. I couldn't prove that the agents were, were dirty. I couldn't prove any of that because when you have a bad track record, you're already guilty. You know what I mean? That's the sad part. This relevant conduct thing, well, you've done it before, so that means you're doing it now. I, I don't understand how that's even feasible in anyone's mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly I mean, what you mean. Yeah. What, uh, uh j just out of curiosity, what's the uh, COVID situation there? Cause I know that like in Yazoo and like some of these other, other places, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty rampant. Well, we don't, it's ironically, we don't have it at all. Um, 
there hasn't been not one case here where I'm at. I'm at Wasika Federal Prison, and we don't have any cases of it. But it's just now hitting Minnesota really bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean, I am scared for it to come here because we live together. I'm in a 10-man room, you know, and uh, if one person gets it, we're all going to get it, you know. And then I'm 40. I'm going to be 49 in December. I have bronchitis, like, really bad all the time. You know what I mean? I'm just very prone to to getting it and getting sick, so that worries me, you know. But I didn't even try to file compassionate release because, like, I don't even get the First Step Act because I had a leader organizer role, and uh, they got me with every um, enhancement they could. So, so anything that applied to me or that would have applied for programming or anything like that, I'm, I'm not eligible for. How many so, women do you think, uh, since this happened, have applied for it and have been successful? In your in your prison? Oh God, uh, maybe seven out of uh, seven hundred. <laughs> Seriously? Maybe. Yeah, probably not even that. They're mostly just picking the ones that are already going home, and um, maybe they're getting a couple months more halfway house or something like that. But all, all that's a joke. You know that's that's not happening. Yeah. The public thinks it is. They think that 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 the laws, the First Step Act, was some great act of of the president. It, this call is from a federal prison. It did nothing for any serious offenders. You know what I mean? Maybe if you had a couple years and you've never been to prison before and it's a white-collar crime and you're, you've already done 80% of your time, then you qualify for the first step back. You know what I mean? It was just a hoax. Yeah. Nothing yeah. ever actually goes through. The only thing that would help, honestly, is if they brought federal parole back and with 50% of your time done, that would stop the mass incarceration. But they're not going to do something like that just because you said it's about money. Yeah, that Anything would. Anything that would actually work is off the table. Yeah, no, they're not going to, they're not going to do that. I mean, you guys are, are cheap labor. Um, are you, uh, yeah. what, uh, so are you in a, a facility that, uh, where, like, is it just nothing but women there? It's just, you don't, you don't service the, uh, you know, you know how the FCI, it's a federal correctional institution, but sometimes there's a complex, like the one that I was at, the men's camp serviced the, uh, the, uh, the medium. And then there was a, uh, and then there was a detention, uh, for people that were fighting their case in the area. And so they literally, you know, everything, everything that happened from plumbing to anything that they need maintenance, you had one main person and then you had, the inmates uh, from the camp were running everything else from, you know. From... Yeah, that's how it is here. The inmates run the institution. It's all women. It's all female. But, yeah, we definitely are the ones that do everything. You know, now, right now, the, the officers are having to do it because of the COVID, but they are still running Unicor. <laughs> but, but nothing else, you know. I think some are going to the kitchen because they have to cook the meals, but anything like the facilities or anything like that is shut down. Okay, now what do you, are you, is there a camp on your, a camp? In no. A, it's just, call it's from a federal prison. I'm at a low-end federal. It's it's like a regular FCI. Okay, all right. Yeah. The, there's, there is a camp here, but um, it's like another unit. Okay, but yeah, do, so do, there, do the people at the camp. camp, do the people at the camp come in and... Uh, do a lot of the work around the the guard the the main. The camp just, is the camp is inside here. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's, my my whole thing yeah. is is that I mean, if you think about how much money the you know it costs to run that prison, and you're getting forty four thousand per person there times seven hundred, all right, you're and then and then the inmates are are basically doing all of the work. I mean, right? I, it's a win win for them. <laughs> well, then everything that they're making off a of unicorn has got to be a profit. Oh my God. Yeah, it's un- it's unreal, and that's what I was telling you. We work for literally from seven thirty a.m. until eight p.m. right now for overtime because they say we're two months behind, you know, and then we can't do get ten minute breaks. We used to get two ten minute breaks, but we can't get those anymore because of social distancing. But we're right next to each other on machines. It and none of it makes sense. There is no social distancing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, 100%, I get it, man. It, it's, uh, it's a, yeah. it's a bad situation. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would, would, would say that, you know, oh, well, you know, you put yourself there. Yes, but right. you have to be a little bit more compassionate when you, when you start thinking about, okay, well, you know, when the system's rigged against you and you've got judges that are handing out, you know, that are a part of the problem, just like the, the corporation is part of the problem. Uh, you know, for-profit prisons, um, it's just not, uh, you know, it's it's just... Yeah, it's crazy. It's just a serious problem. There, listen, Sean, there's a guy on my case um, named Kyle, Kevin Kilo, and he got a life sentence. Now, he, he just went back and got his life down to 30 because he proved that one of the girls that put a lot of weight on him, he was in prison when she was saying he was her dealer. He was in prison the whole time. So he he finally went back and he got it reduced because he proved that he was in prison. But she's on all of our paperwork. So why would any of us be charged with her if she was discredited? You see what I'm saying? There's so many loopholes. Because you're going to have to find somebody that's out there that's willing to help you and and take your case and fight for you and and figure that whole thing out. That's the problem. Nobody's just going to, nobody's just going to say, Hey, I'm going to do this, you know, or, or believe what you're saying. And that's, you know, that's kind of the wrong way, but that's why we're here. Nobody wanted to stand up and say, let me fight for them because what's happening to them is, is wrong. Everyone was scared of that judge. Literally, even the lawyers. It was really weird. Hmm. No one wanted to fight because I don't know if they were afraid they weren't going to get another appointment and get the money they were getting. You know, I don't know what it was. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from... Melissa Beach. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept. Dial 5 now. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's okay. This has to be the last one because um, I'm out of minutes for the month until the 13th. Yep, yep, that's good. This is all I'm going to need. So, um, okay. What is it that you want uh, people to know? Primarily, uh, you know, kind of about like what have you what have you been doing? Real quickly, um, how much okay, how much fine. how much time have you been in there so far? Okay. What have you done to kind of, uh, you know, you were a meth addict. Have you done any programming? Have you, you know, what have you done? Because people that are going to listen to this, a lot of them, you know, they, they may want to know, like, what, you know, what have you done to improve yourself uh, while you've been there? Okay. Well, um, when I first started out, um, first of all, I've 
I was picked up February 4th of 2016, and I haven't been out since. So it's um, a little over four years. And um, I lost my mom. You know, I told you about she overdosed while I was in county jail. And then my kid's dad was in a car wreck. And uh, my one son is schizophrenic, and so it kind of put me in a real bind of what who was going to take care of him because his dad was his caregiver. And everything that could go wrong went wrong at once. Like, that was a really bad year. And uh, I started out real rocky with my time. And I rebelled, and I was angry, and I was mad, and I got in a lot of trouble. And and then I, I got sent here. And um, there's a lot of programming at this prison. Like, um, there's Unicor, and then there's uh, all kinds of classes that you can take. We can't take anything right now, but... But I've I've utilized my time now. I've calmed down and I've accepted it. And um, even though I'm still angry, I'm not bitter, you know. And um, I go to church now and I I read the Bible a lot. And I think that um, that I believe very heavily in God. And I, this call is from a federal prison. He does change your life, and he and he has made uh, made a difference in my life. Like I'm I'm a lot more peaceful, and uh, I um, I've taken a lot of classes. A lot of things don't apply to me because you have to be within so many years of getting out. So a lot of times you can't do like cosmetology or anything like that until you're like two or three years from your release date. So that's pretty much never going to apply to me. But um, I take all kinds of uh, ACE classes. It's kind of like short-term little college classes. And I do a lot of counseling and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> and um, like I've completed phases of counseling and psychology both and um i just try to be a better person every day i've worked at unicorn for almost 16 months now and um and what's your, i don't know i've stayed out of trouble huh what's your position at unicorn um i work on a heat press and it's really hot right now um it's like 315 degrees and uh i, I put uh american uh the american eagle on for air force for the united states and I heat press that that onto the shorts every day, and um, so that's my position there. And I'm a grade one now, so um, I do okay. You know what I mean? And I just deal with it, and I and I try to fight my case every day to try to get to my kids. And um, they're grown, but they still need me very much because their life wasn't easy with me, and um, they didn't have the best start either. So um, I just worked hard at uh, trying to get someone to hear me and. And then I try to better myself for if a miracle happens, then I can live a different life, you know? Because you never realize... Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, what, what is the what is the, the most... I don't know how he said it, but he said, what did you realize just a little too late? And I answered that, and I was like, what I realized a little too late was that you can't take life for granted. And and that you just think it's it's going to always... You can always do better tomorrow, but one day you wake up and you don't have your tomorrow anymore. You know, and that's that's hard to wake up to. So I just I want I want to be a better person in case I get that tomorrow. You know. No, I do. I, I absolutely, and it uh, you know, uh, decisions are are tough, man. You know, sometimes yeah. you you make you make one and and that's it. You know, game like over. I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes, and I wish I could go back and redo them, but I can't. And then when it's just final, it's final, you know, and you don't, I don't think I ever really realized how detrimental it would be for everything to add up. Does that make sense? 
No, it uh, absolutely. And so, what are what are you kind of doing to uh, address uh, your addiction issues? I mean, I've, I've struggled with meth myself, and uh, you know, it it uh, you know, you are you doing any NA or AA or anything like that? Or are you just doing counseling and and trying to? Uh, to... Well, I'm on I'm on a waiting list right now for um, an NRDAP uh, rehabilitation class that lasts like three months. I have completed a few uh, drug rehab classes that I could do. I can't do RDAP yet because I have so long to go, but um, anything that's offered here, I take it. And the thing I was telling you about the counseling, it's not just counseling, it's like, it's it's uh, it's called resolve, and it changes your thinking, because I think that I had a criminal thinking pattern, and I had an, addict, an addictive behavioral problem, and um, I just, for me, I just have finally learned to gear my hate towards the drug. You know what I mean? Because it does ruin lives. It does. It ruins mine. Okay. And the last question I'm going to ask you is if somebody hears this and they decide they want to take your case and, you know, a miracle happens and you get your sentence uh, reduced, uh, what are you going to do when you're back out on the streets? Like what is it? What is it that you you think about most when when you know you think about that possibility? This call is from a federal prison. I have a really good friend that has stuck with me through this, and she's an attorney. And uh, she she's not taking my case because it would be a conflict of interest. And she doesn't really practice anymore. She she kind of that was what she used to do, but um, she she would support me in any dream I had, and so. I mean, I already know exactly what I would do. Since I've been in here, there was no one to help. My son is very sick. I have two sons. One is an addict, and the other one, I told you, has schizophrenia. And he has he's homeless. He has nowhere to go. And if I, like, if I could make a dream come true, it would be to help, I think, people like him. Like, because everybody's affected. When, when someone you love goes away for, forever, everyone's affected. And so he he suffered too, you know. So I think what I would do is I would try to open some kind of home for for even adult children that, or really adult children. He's a child in his mind that don't have anyone because he's kind of rejected from society because he is an adult, you know. But he needs a place to be too. So I would love to open some kind of um, home for for people like him. That's a that's a good a good uh good goal to have. Um yeah. and then right now anything we got about two more minutes before before this thing's gonna shut off. So go ahead and use this uh time right now to uh make your plea and tell and and, and you know what is it that you uh hope to get from this? Well, should I give my information or did you already do that? Uh you can give your prison information if you want, your uh your prison ID, uh and where, okay. where, where, where you're located and how people can contact you. Okay. Um, my name is Melissa Beach and it's V as in Victor, E-A-T-C-H. And my federal number is 69224080. And I'm at uh, Wasika uh, Federal Prison or Institution. It's P.O. Box 1731, Wasika, Minnesota, 56093. And I just want to tell you thank you for everything that you just did. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I cry so easy. I know it's crazy, but I cry so easy. So I just want to tell you thank you. And I don't know really what I could say to someone. Just, just I just want for someone somehow to make a change, even if it's not for me. 
for the laws to change because it's not just me. There's so many people that don't deserve the time they got, you know? It's just, I just want justice to be served, you know? And, and it's not being served. It's being manipulated. And um, I guess that's it, you know? So it's going to hang up, so it was perfect timing. <laughs> I hope I did okay. I, got, I was so nervous. Oh, you're great, Melissa, and thank you for everything. Uh, tell your roommate to to contact me if she's interested. Uh, yeah, she's going to. She was going to call tomorrow. Is that okay? Um, yeah, yeah, she can call. Uh, I was going to give her the uh, information. Well, I'll I'll write it. I'll write you an email. Um, but thank you for okay. your for for your patience and everything. And uh, we finally got this done. And uh, hopefully, we yeah. can uh, make some changes and and help you out. Okay. Yeah, Sean, thank you for everything. You're doing a great you're doing a great thing. All right. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, be good. Bye. Bye.